Book 10, Part 3, Chapter 1 of A Class Book of Old Testament History by G.F. McClear. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia. A Class Book of Old Testament History by G.F. McClear. Book 10, Part 3, Chapter 1, Accession of Jehu. 2 King chapters 8 through 10, BC 884. After this signal discomfiture, Ben-Hadad returned to Damascus and before long lay prostrate with his last illness. At this time Elisha was present in the city and the king, being informed of it, sent Hazael, an officer in high position at his court, to inquire whether he should recover of his disease. With forty camels' burden of the choicest products of the Syrian capital, Hazael presented himself before the prophet and preferred his request in the most humble tones. Elisha replied that his master might indeed recover, but yet that he would not. Wondering at these ambiguous words, Hazael fixed upon him a long and searching glance, and the prophet burst into tears. "'Why weepeth, my lord?' inquired the other. And Elisha, who saw in him the destined successor of Ben-Hadad, replied, Because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. Their strongholds wilt thou set on fire, and their young men wilt thou slay with the sword, and wilt dash their children and rip up their women with child. But such a future had no sorrow for his listener. It was only too good to expect. What is thy servant, he replied, dog that he is, that he should do this great thing? The prophet, without making any remark, simply announced the message Elijah had long ago been bidden to deliver. Jehovah hath shown me, said he, that thou shalt be king over Syria. Second Kings 8 verses 7 to 13 With these mysterious words sounding in his ears, Hazael returned to his master and told him but the half of the prophet's answer. That day was the last of Ben-Hadad's life. On the morrow he was found suffocated, with a thick cloth dipped in water spread upon his face. Whether or no Hazael's hand had done the deed, his path was now clear, and he mounted the Syrian throne. Meanwhile there had been changes in the kingdom of Judah. After an unsuccessful attempt to quell a rebellion of his vassal, King of Edom, 2 Kings 8 verse 20, 2 Chronicles 21 verses 8 through 10, see Genesis 27 verse 40, Jehoram died and was succeeded by Ahaziah, BC 885, the issue of his father's ill-starred marriage with the daughter of Jezebel. True to the traditions of his mother, he signalized his accession by the grossest idolatries, 2 Chronicles 22 and verse 3. But soon, like his rival, the king of Israel began to feel the hand of the new monarch of Syria, who had already made an attempt to recover the stronghold of Ramoth-Gilead. In intimate alliance, the two kings now crossed the Jordan to defend the place, and an engagement ensuing, Jehoram was severely wounded and forced to return to Jezreel, whither also Ahaziah followed him. 2 Kings 9 verses 28 and 29 during their absence, Elisha, knowing that the time was now come for the doomed destruction of Ahab's family, sent a young man, 
one of the sons of the prophets, to Ramoth-Gilead, with a horn of oil and a commission to look out and anoint Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, king over Israel. As one of Ahab's guards, Jehu, in company with Bidkar, had ridden behind his master to the fatal plot of Naboth's vineyard, and heard the terrible warning of Elijah against his murderer. 2 Kings 9 verse 25 Since then he had risen to a position of some importance, and was now well known for his vehemence and activity, as well as his rapid, furious driving. According to his instructions, the young disciple of the prophets went to Ramoth-Gilead, and finding Jehu seated in the midst of his officers, intimated that he had an errand for his ear alone. Together the two retired to an inner chamber, and there the youth, having poured the oil on Jehu's head, and announced the divine will that he should be king over Israel, and utterly exterminate the whole family of Ahab, opened the door and fled. Shortly afterwards, Jehu came forth and rejoined his comrades, who eagerly inquired the purport of the mad fellow's visit. At first, he tried to evade the question, but soon revealed all that the other had said. Instantly, the enthusiasm of his hearers was kindled. Recognising the truth of the prophetic call, they threw off each man his garment and placing Jehu on a rude throne or carpet of state, blew the trumpets and shouted, Jehu is king. Then, for everything depended on the speed of his movements, without losing a moment, Jehu drove his chariot towards the fords of Jordan, and thence direct to Jezreel. From the tower of the latter city, the watchman observed his hurrying chariot, and announced the fact to Jehoram, who straight away sent a horseman to inquire, Is it peace? The crafty conspirator detained the messenger. Then a second horseman was dispatched, and he too was detained. By this time, the watchman was better able to distinguish the advancing charioteer and pronounced him to be no other than Jehu, the son of Nimshi. Thereupon, the chariot of the king of Israel was made ready, and with Ahaziah, king of Judah, he set out to meet him, probably expecting tidings of the Syrian war. But he was quickly and terribly undeceived. His question, Is it peace, Jehu? was met by a furious denunciation of the idolatries of his mother Jezebel, and in an instant, divining his danger, he turned his chariot towards Jezreel. But at that moment Jehu drew a bow with his full strength and shot him to the heart. While he paused to charge Bidkar to take up his corpse and fling it into the portion of Naboth, Ahaziah, pursued by his soldiers, fled down the westward plain towards Bethgan, or the village of Enganim, but was overtaken and wounded and died at Megiddo, whither he managed to escape. Jehu's next step was to make for Jezreel. Here Jezebel, the queen mother, still retained her influence, and hearing of the approach of the conspirator, she resolved to confront him in person. After the oriental fashion, she tired her head and painted her eyes with antimony, and, as Jehu passed beneath the palace, cried out from the lattice window, Had Zimri peace, who slew his master? On that, Jehu looked up and called aloud, Who is on my side? Who? And two or three eunuchs, looking out, he bade them throw her down, and they threw her down before his chariot, and her blood was sprinkled partly on the palace wall and partly on his horses, while with merciless severity he trode her underfoot.
Then he entered the palace and ate and drank. But remembering the fallen queen, he commanded that she should be buried. His messengers went forth to execute his commands, but when they reached the open space before the city walls, they found nothing but her skull and feet and the palm of her hands. The dogs which prowl about the streets of eastern cities had devoured all the rest, and thus fulfilled the words of Elijah, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. 2 Kings 9 verse 36 The thoughts of the conqueror now turned towards Samaria. Here resided the sons and grandsons of Ahab, to the number of seventy persons. To the elders of the city, therefore, he wrote letters, bidding them select the best and meetest of their master's sons, set him on his father's throne, and fight for their master's house. This proposition terrified the servile elders, and they replied that they had no idea of setting up a rival king, and were perfectly ready to submit in all things to the usurper's will. On this, Jehu wrote a second letter, proposing as a test of their fidelity that they should send to Jezreel on the next day the heads of the seventy descendants of Ahab and then repair thither themselves. His commands were duly executed. The seventy heads were sent to Jezreel and by Jehu's command placed in two heaps at the entrance of the gate where they remained all night. In the morning the usurper went forth and acknowledged to the awestruck crowd that he had conspired against his master but through the blame of the slaughter of Ahab's descendants on their guardians at Samaria, who had thus fulfilled the words of Elijah. He then proceeded to exterminate all the acquaintance of Ahab at Jezreel, the officers of his court, and the hierarchy of Ashtaroth, and finally set out in person for Samaria. 2 Kings 10 verse 12 On the road, he first met 42 sons or nephews of the late king of Judah, and discovering who they were, directed that they too should be put to death at the well of the shearing house between Jezreel and Samaria. A little further on he encountered Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, of the race of the Kenites, who had bound his descendants to drink no wine, to build no houses, to sow no seed, neither to plant nor possess vineyards, but to adhere to the old nomadic life and dwell in tents. Jeremiah 35 verses 6 and 7 is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? exclaimed Jehu when he saw him. The other assured him that it was, and was bidden thereupon to ascend his chariot and come and see his zeal for Jehovah. Thus side by side the two drove into the city where the butchery of Ahab's relatives was renewed till none were left remaining. But this was only preparatory to another and still greater blow. Convening an assembly of the people, Jehu announced his intention of inaugurating the worship of Baal on a scale of the greatest magnificence. Ahab, said he, served Baal a little, but Jehu shall serve him much. Then under pain of death he commanded the entire hierarchy of Baal and all his worshippers throughout Israel to assemble in the great temple which Ahab had built in honour of this God. 1 Kings 15 verse 32 on the appointed day they came, and the building was filled from end to end. The sacred vestments, probably of white linen, were brought forth, the worshippers arrayed in them, the temple cleared of any chance worshippers of Jehovah, and then Jehu and Jehonadab entered, and the king himself offered the burnt offering. 
he had hardly ended when 80 trusty warriors who had secretly received their orders rushed in and commenced an indiscriminate slaughter of the unarmed and helpless assembly. The huge image of Baal was broken, the smaller images burnt, and the temple itself converted to the basest uses. 2 Kings 10 verses 26 and 27 End of Book 10, Part 3, Chapter 1 Recorded by Cliffstone of Sydney, Australia